the very purpose we gather together, dear Father, is in some way to make that statement a reality within our hearts and our lives. That you would be the very center of our lives, very center of our thoughts, all that we are, all that we hope to be, is placed upon you. Our future, Father, our eternal future, you're the very center of our lives. And so, Father, as we turn our attention to your most glorious word, when we open up our eyes to behold wonderful things from your hand to ours, Father, may we see who you are in such a clear way, Father, that we will never ever doubt the very wonders of your goodness upon our lives. Father, we want to thank you for all things in the more very precious and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we love so dearly at this church, Father. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you turn with me, please, in your Bibles at this time of worship? We've come to a place in Scripture that, that the truth of the matter is the Lord Jesus Christ must be within your life and in my life the very center core. And the reason he must is because he is. And we will never see that more clearly than we do here in this great book, the book of Revelation, uh, singular, not plural. In chapter 1, verse 1, where we were beginning right now, it tells us what this great book is all about. It just opens up by saying, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book will reveal Jesus Christ to you and to me like no other book you and I will ever read. Let me just share with you, the word revelation simply means something which was not previously known is now revealed, is now understood. That's the beauty of where we are right now in our lives. I mentioned to you last week, you don't need to turn there, you can look at the 22nd chapter of this book of Revelation for a moment. I just want to reassure you what God is trying to say to us. Last week we took a look at the book of Daniel. Uh, you can look at it later if you wish. It's Daniel chapter 12 and it is, uh, let me see what verse is it I want to tell you about. Verses 9 and 10. Excuse me, 8 and 9. Daniel is receiving a revelation from God. An angel is speaking to him and telling him about some things that are going to happen in the end times. And Daniel looks at what is being said to him and asks of the angel, I have heard you, but I cannot understand what you are saying. What will be, Daniel asks the angel, what will be the outcome of these events that you are telling us about? And remember, the angel said to him, Daniel, go your way, because these words are concealed, Daniel, they are sealed up until the end time. In other words, the angel says to Daniel, I have told you what is going to happen, but you can't know yet. It's not for you to know or, or understand. However, if you turned it now and looked at chapter 22 with me, 
And look at verse 10. Just the opposite is being said to you and me today. John is told by the angel, look at verse 10 of chapter 22, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because, he says, the time is near. In other words, it is time now. It is time for you and me to understand what is before us. You see, this book is not going to be a book that you and I will not be able to understand. I will, by the grace of God Almighty. I pray every single day that I will be able to explain it to you so that you and I will understand what lies before us. We are right now in what is called the time that is near. And God is going to tell you and me what is about to happen in our future see, the words of Daniel are sealed up. But in this great book, no, no, they are open for you and me to see. And most important, for you and me to understand. And it is my deepest prayer, my desire to help all of us have an understanding of what are written within these pages that we are about to study. And and, and let me just say this, with each passing day, we are drawing closer and closer to the coming of Jesus Christ. That I'm sure you're, you're aware of. My question for us this day is, are we prepared for His coming? In essence, that's the, that's the message today. The message today is be ready. Be prepared. He's coming it is, it is, in essence, one of the reasons why I wear a watch that beeps every hour. I wear a watch that beeps every hour to kind of bring me back to where I, my very core, the very center of who I am. Sometimes it beeps at the most inappropriate time, you know. I could be doing the, the worst thing, and I think, oh God, thank you that you didn't come right now. Not in the middle of what I'm doing. Now you can come. I'm asking you for forgiveness. I'm, I'm a good boy now. This beeping of my watch reminds me, this is, this is my life given unto the Lord. I am not my own. I am owned by Him. I am a, hopefully a servant, a slave of His. And so the question is, are you and I ready? In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, as we see, this book is called, read the first few words, the the revelation of Jesus Christ. It, it, it It is a chance, an opportunity for you and me to see Jesus Christ as never before. The reason being... When we study Jesus Christ, we see him as a man. He, he came to this earth to walk this earth so as to do one thing and one thing for sure. And that is, let me ask you, in your heart, why did he come the first time? What was his purpose on this earth? Well, his purpose on this earth was to reveal for everyone to see who he is. And so that he might, being a man go to the cross and die for your and my, the sin of this world. And if he were not a man, he would not have been able to die. For God could not die. And so the first time he came, he was revealed to us as a man. 
His glory was veiled. But this time, oh my goodness, in the book of the, the book of the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, he comes again. But this time he comes much differently. In fact, I'd, I'd love for us to see, just to prepare our hearts for this study, to see who is this one whom we love so dearly? Whom is this one that we celebrate on Easter and, and Christmas and, and, and we just celebrate him? And, and, and people look at us as strange that, that we would love him as much as we do. Who is he? Let's look at him. Let's take a look right now. Look at chapter 19. Let's, let's take a look at, at him coming in his glory. Now, we won't be able to say and tell you what all of this means right at this time, but we will. We will explain to him in, his, in all of his glory when he, when he comes before us in his pages. But right now, I just wanna, I want us to marvel at the sight of Jesus Christ. John writes in the book of Revelation, the 19th chapter, he says, I've, I'm in heaven itself. I, I see the, the doors of heaven open up before me. In chapter 19, verse 11, John says, I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and, and he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he will judge and will wage war. Look at verse 12. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. He has a name that is written on himself, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. That blood was the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sin, yours and mine. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, oh, I love this, his name is called the Word of God. That's, that's who said that? That is awesome. I'm with you in that. That is why we stand at this church. In fact, I almost wish that we wouldn't call this church the rock, but rather the Word of God. But that would be a little pretentious, would it not? The Word of God. That's the one whom you and I worship. He is the one who comes in glory someday. The Word of God. That's why every church ought to, ought to just fall on our faces before God. Every pastor should, should pray with his whole heart that he, he is able to preach the Word of God because to do so is to explain Jesus Christ to the congregation and to those who will come. He is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, that's you and me, we're clothed in we're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. You see, we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood that it says is on his robe. We're clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and we follow him on white horses. And out of his mouth, look at verse 15, comes a sharp sword so that he might strike down the nations. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. And he's going to tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written. It is the King of kings and it is the Lord of lords. That's whom you and I worship. That's the one whom... Anthony and Brian and these wonderful people sing is the very center of our lives. With all of my heart, 
I want to, I want to explain to you Him each week that you come, that you will not want to miss a moment of this study, that you will realize hopefully sooner rather than later that this is no meek lamb of God that we worship. This is none other than our Messiah, the, the God who came to die for our sin, who will one day come again in His glory. And so if we do not see that He is the very center of our life, then I've, I've done a very terrible job, and I ask your forgiveness ahead of time. But it is my deepest prayer that when you and I walk away from here, we will see Him in all of His glory. That baby that we celebrate in the manger, that one who is upon the cross that we celebrate at Easter, will be much more relevant to us when we recognize and see Him in His glory. Read with me verses 1, 2, and 3 of the book of Revelation, the first chapter. John explains, by the way, may I say to you, if you and I, I'm going to try and take some time today for us to understand this. If we do not understand these first three verses, it will be difficult for us to really move forward. And so I want to press these verses deep within our hearts. Why? Why, why was this book written? You're going to see, I think, perhaps like never before. John pens, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. He sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed, he writes, is the person who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. That is a warning. The time is near, near, so you and I are to heed the prophecy that we see written within this book. Father in heaven, please, please open up our eyes, our hearts, that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Thank you for the musicians who set the tone, the, the setting of the worship of 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 your Son, Jesus Christ, as we center our minds and our hearts and our thoughts upon Him. He is the very center of our lives. Teach us, Father God, your words. May we walk away from here today more in love with you, perhaps, Father, than ever before. I, I, I pray for that, Father. I pray for it within my life as in every life that is here. May we love you more today than ever before as we see you in all of your glory. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, let's get to the crux of why people want to see this book so much. Why is there an interest in the book of Revelation? Well, most people think because they're going to be able to see what's out in front of us. We'll be able to know what's going to happen. We won't be kind of 
in, 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 in shock and awe, we will know what is about to take place on this planet. If you and I, as believers, do not recognize that things are in motion right now for God to come back, then I don't know what will set your heart in motion to wonder about Him coming. The world is being set up. We are being trying to be put into this one world government. It's, it's so exciting. It's happening right before our eyes. There is a movement that we would be a one, what is it, a, what's the word, global? Global, uh, uh, whatever. I don't pay much attention to that. I much rather pay attention to the Bible. But I see them, they're plotting. They want us to be a one world government. And that's just what the Bible says is going to happen. So most of us want to, to know the future. We, 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 with curiosity, we want to know what's going to happen to us. But every attempt, all attempts to look into the future apart from our God is absolutely, utterly fruitless. Listen to what God says. You know, I love, I love the way he's so, uh, sometimes so, I don't know the right word of saying it. I, I, I'm, I'm such an athlete that I can only think of those types of words. But he's, he's so sure of himself. <laughs> That's as best I can do without getting into the other words. Listen to Isaiah chapter 44 verse 7. You might not want to turn there. You don't have to because it's just one verse. I want to read it to you. I want you to listen to it, but I, I would encourage you to write these verses down so that you can look at them later on. In Isaiah chapter 44 verse 7, God asks this question. Who is like me, he says. Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it. Yeah, he says, let him recount to me in order from the time that I established the ancient nation and let him declare the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. In other words, he says, you can't do it. Only I, God says, can do that. And he does it right here in this book. We'll be able to see, we'll be able to see his hand moving upon this world in which we live so clearly as we go through this study. You see, only in Scripture can the truth about our future be told. Now, there are some Old Testament prophets that, that partially told. There's Isaiah, there's Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah. There are different men who wrote different things from time to time in the Old Testament that provide a glimpse of the future for us. But, but just like Daniel said, tell me, tell me what it is. And the angel says, no, it's, it's not for you to know everything now. Well, here in the New Testament, our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter, and Paul also proclaimed the future, but none of them told the whole story until we got here to the book of Revelation. This book provides you and me with the most detailed look into the future as any book you will ever read, and we'll be able to study it. It'll provide us a look into the future, and this book is unique. Let me show you how unique it is. Do you know something about that Scripture is, is inspired by God? The men and women of old wrote down what God inspired them to write through the Holy Spirit. We just read here in verse 1, not so with the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, 
Look at verse 1 again and 2. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Watch. Which God gave to him. That's Jesus. God gave to his son to show to his bondservants. That's us. The things which must soon take place. He sent it and he communicated it not by the Holy Spirit, but by his angel who gave it to his bondservant, John. And so what we just read is the word came, the book of Revelation came from God to the Son, to an angel, to John, to us. That's the way it's rolled out in the book of Revelation. It's unique. And its message is very unique. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cross-reference to see what is God saying so that we really catch what he is trying to say. Look at chapter 22. You've got to look ahead to see what is just being said here in chapter 1. In chapter 22, in verse 16, we see the uniqueness of this message that is given from God to the Son to an angel, to John, to us. And it is as clear, and this is very clear, as the nose on my face. And boy, if you can't see the nose on my face, you're blind. Look at chapter 22 and verse 16. It's true, unique message is told. It is revealed. Jesus says, I have sent my angel to testify to you these things for what? You must understand the emphasis that Jesus Christ is placing upon this building. Your life, my life. He gave these things to an angel to be revealed to the churches. That's why it's imperative for a church to follow after the teachings of Jesus Christ. For a church to haphazardly open its doors and not study the Word of God like our Lord has asked us to do is terrible for them. For any church to open its doors and to have church and try to placate the people that come and not, not really honor God through preaching His words is a travesty upon churches. Because in chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus sent the angel to John to testify these things for the churches. And then he tells them who he is. He's the root of the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. So number one, when you walk away from here, it'd be wise for you and me first and foremost to recognize that this message that is being given is for us believers in Jesus Christ that gather together in the church. Important for us to know. You see, it is and it always shall be the church that God desires to use and bless in our day. We are living in what is called the church age. And so we need to be careful. We need to be careful how we treat our church, how we live within the confines of our church. How involved we become in any and all offbeat uh, parachurch type ministries that will take 
us away from the protection and the blessing that God has poured out upon his church and the church's God-given authority. I had the greatest privilege when I was younger to be in a ministry once with uh, a Dr. Billy Graham. I really counted that amazing. I got to sit in a room and listen as he was planning um, one of his great big, uh, what do they call them, uh, crusades. And we, there were churches from all over this area that gathered together to, to kind of make it happen. And Dr. Graham said, this, this, this crusade, this whatever they call these things, darn it, I get stuck on words. This crusade that I'm having is not for me. He says it's for the church. And boy, my ears perked up and I said, I had a way to go, Billy. It's not about you. Nothing that you and I do is about us. It should be about the church. The church ought to be the very essence of our being. It ought to be the hub of your life and my life. The church ought to be everything because God has proclaimed the church to be the place where he would give his protection, his blessings, his authority. You see, God desires to use the church, you and me, to bless and accomplish his work in these days in which we live. And so Jesus sent his angel to John to testify of these things for the churches. Now we are going to learn that in the weeks to come. In chapters 2 and 3, it's all about the church. So the message is unique. It was given for us, believers in Jesus Christ, who come to church. It is also unique, if you'll turn back to chapter 1 and verse 3, in, in, in its words and its promises and its blessings. This book gives to the reader a blessing. Next week I'm going to show you seven blessings that are woven, interwoven throughout the book of Revelation. Seven of them. And you're going to see what these blessings mean to us. But sufficient now, let's look at chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed, blessed, blessed is the person who reads and who hears the word of this prophecy. But it doesn't stop there. It is one thing to read it. It is another thing to hear it. But it is a whole nother walk with Christ when we become people who heed or are obedient, as it says in verse 3, to the things that are, are written within this book. And the reason we need to take heed and be obedient is because the time is near. You see, to read this book and to hear its prophetic words, they will bring about a blessing upon your life, upon the one who is reading it and hearing it. But first and foremost, you and I must be willing to be obedient to the words that are written within it. John carefully writes in verse 3, Take heed, he says. In other words, be careful of the things which are written in this book. Why? Well, Because the church is supposed to take this message to the world. The church is God's way to bless all people. It originally began with Israel. And Israel, bless their hearts, dropped the ball. 
And then the message was given to the Gentiles, you and me, and the Jews who come to Christ. It is our job as believers in Jesus Christ to take this message to the world. The church is everything. It is through your obedience, my obedience. It is through our heeding the Word of God, our faithfulness to the church, that God will bring about His promises and His blessings to those of us who study this particular book. But He will also bring salvation, salvation to those who hear our message. Remember we read last week? I would love for you to turn there. Hold your place here. Look back at the book of Acts. Now, um, Book of Acts is in the New Testament. You well know this. If you're brand new to what we are doing and studying your Bible, and you, you have a Bible, we want, we want to encourage you to, to have a Bible. If you do not, I was told last night by Pastor Bill that we still have some Bibles upstairs. People have given donated money so that if you can't afford a Bible, we will give you a Bible. We want you to hold a Bible in your lap. We want you to, to be able to write in your Bible. I know some people feel, oh, I can't do that. This is a holy Bible. Yes, it is a holy Bible, but it is also yours and you can write in it. In my case, I, uh, for whatever it's worth, I, I underline in yellow. I have a, a yellow marker that is... Uh, it's like, um, I don't, it doesn't bleed through. I'll show it to you if you ever want to see it. It doesn't, it's really, it doesn't bleed through the thin pages of a Bible. And, and, and I'm marking in, in yellow and red. And in my case, I write everything in pencil because I know I'm going to make mistakes. And so I want to be able to erase my mistakes. When I first started using a Bible, I, I, read, I wrote in pen and I made so many mistakes that I couldn't erase it, you know. And I wanted to make sure that what I had was right. So I wrote in pencil so that I could erase and, and correct the things. I want this Bible to be yours. I want you to, to sense that this is your word, that you are studying it, that it, it, becomes, it becomes relevant to your heart. And I told you in the book of Acts, if you don't know how to find the book of Acts, please don't be embarrassed. I remember when I first went to church, Dr. Jack MacArthur's church, he'd tell us to turn to Ezekiel. Goodness, I had no idea where Ezekiel was. What's Eze I always was always upset why the Lord didn't at least alphabetize the stuff. Right? Huh? How about that? I know my ABCs and Ds and all of that. Ezekiel, by the time Dr. Jack got through with reading Ezekiel, if I found it, he was already now on to Jeremiah somewhere. Oh my goodness. So if you don't know where Acts is, don't be panicked. There's a lot of us that had to learn. Just listen, write down, and later you can look and find the book of Acts and then buy a Bible that has little uh, thumb things in it so you can find out where some of the books are. In the book of Acts, we read last week, and I think it bears reading again, in Acts chapter 17. Acts is just after the book of John, and it's just before the book of Romans. You know, the, the, the four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they are all written, they are called the Gospels of Jesus Christ, and, and each one of them is written for a reason. The book of, of Matthew, for instance, shows, shows Jesus Christ as King of the Jews. Mark shows him as a servant. Luke shows him as a man. John shows him as God, a very God. Well, when you come to the book of Acts, we, we were reading about, uh, we, we, last week, we, we kind of talked about these people called the Bereans. Remember them? 
And Paul, is it, it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. Now Paul is going to Berea. And when he arrived in Berea, they went to the synagogue. That was normal. Whenever they went into a city, they went into the synagogue because that's where most of the people who believed in God would, would, would kind of congregate. And they went there to the synagogue of the Jews. Now, what we learn about the people at Berea in verse 11 is a tremendous verse. They were noble-minded, even more than those who were in Thessalonica. I don't know what that means, but they were. They received the word of God with great eagerness. That's, I think, like us. And they examined the scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught was true or not. That's what I want for us. I don't want you to take anything that I say and say, well, this has got to be gospel. He's telling us us. No, no, no. You look for yourself. Make the Bible yours so that when, when you start thinking about Jesus Christ as a baby in a manger on Christmas, you see him in a whole different light. When you start seeing Jesus Christ on Easter Sunday who died for our sins, you see him in a whole different light because he becomes personal to you. And so the Bereans were noble-minded. They examined the Scriptures daily to see if the things that they were being told was true or not. And watch what happens. Because of that, look at verse 12, many of them started to believe. Along with a number of prominent Greek women and men, belief came because these people wanted to understand and know the Word of God, you and I will draw people to Christ. There are going to be people that come here. They're going to hear about this study. It's going already through our community. And they're going to come in. And what they're going to see are you and me. They're going to see people who have, hopefully, a love for Christ. They're going to see music that people just worship God. And they're going to watch you and me. And they're going to see, and many of them will believe, prominent people will believe because of our love for the Lord. But watch what happens. I want you to see this today. When the Jews, verse 13, I didn't get into this last week because there was no place for it, but I think you need to hear this. When the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God was being proclaimed, when people hear the word of God is being proclaimed, they came and they started agitating and stirring up people. That's what happens, by the way. That's why there has been some stuff here in this church. That happens when the Word of God is preached. There are people who want to stop it, agitate, stir up, move you away from the wonders of knowing Christ. Don't let that happen to you. Stay centered on the very teachings of our Lord well, my point was, once we start to really understand the Word of God, if you turn back with me to Revelation chapter 1, the warning is that we need to take heed to what is being said because the time is near. In other words, it's critical. This time that we live in is critical. The question that more than likely is ringing through the halls of this church that you and I now belong to is how close are we to the coming of our Lord? Tell us, Pastor John, can you? When? Please tell us, when is he coming? The time's near. Since we know the time is near, can you at least tell us when? 
Well, so you and I do not get lost in trying to find the answer to that question. We need to remember what Jesus Christ said to the disciples. When they asked him of that time, he says, of that day and of that hour, he says, no one knows. Not the angels who are in heaven, nor myself, Jesus said, only the Father. He alone knows. So I'm going to be quite sure of one thing. You and I are not going to know. (laughs) We're just not going to know the time. Because he ain't telling. And there's a reason why he's not telling you and me, and let's find out. What we do know is, though, the time is near. Okay, what does that mean? When then, Lord? We have been waiting for your return, Father, your son to come back for at least a couple thousand years, and you keep telling us that it's near. Doesn't seem near to us. Unless we understand what the word near means. There are three, there are three translations for near. It is quickly, suddenly, the time is near. All three translate to mean the same thing, and they are found seven times in this book of Revelation. They're found in chapter 1, verse 3, as we just saw. It says that, uh, no, not, no, I mean, excuse me, verse 1. It says the things which must shortly, that's time is near, shortly take place. Seven times. Chapter 1, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 16. It's up on the board. Chapter 3, verse 11. Chapter 11, verse 14. Three times in chapter 22. Verses 7, 12, and verse 20. They all say the time is near. One says, repent. I'm coming quickly. Another says, I am coming quickly. The third is a warning. There is a third woe, he said, that is coming quickly. In chapter 22, it says, behold, I am coming quickly. And Jesus himself says in chapter 22 and verse 20, yes, I am coming quickly, to which John says what all of us would say. Amen. Come on, Lord. Come on. We're ready. Please come. So the idea of the words, the time is near, all refer to a sudden coming, a surprise. It does not translate to uh, time. It doesn't translate to time on your watch. It translates to a sudden, quick appearance so that you and I would not be confused. To understand that the time is near means it's going to happen suddenly, it might not be today. It might not be that he comes back tomorrow. It might not be that he comes back for a month or years or years, plural, ahead of us, that he waits to come. The time is not necessarily soon. That is not to our knowledge. It's just that when he comes, it will be sudden, quickly, But I'll tell you one thing, it's sooner today than it was yesterday. I preached to them last night, he might come during the night, let's be ready. Well, he didn't. But it's closer today than it was yesterday, I guarantee you. And so the Lord's coming is going to be sudden. No one knows the hour nor the day, but the Father alone, Jesus said. I want you to see this. Look at Matthew Matthew chapter 24, please. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew and then Mark. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. 
Jesus Christ was being asked about his coming. And he gives a parable. It is in this particular chapter, chapter 24 and verse 36, that he says, of the day and hour, he says, no one knows. We just read that. Not the angels in heaven, nor the Son, just the Father knows. But he says in verse 42, Therefore, I want you to be, what, on the alert, because you do not know which day the Lord is coming. But be sure of this, if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert. He would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, Jesus says to us, be ready. You be ready too. Because he says the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think that he will. He asks in verse 45, who then is the faithful? Who then is the sensible slave to whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds being faithful when he comes. So the idea really in our Lord coming soon is really that he is coming suddenly without warning so that you and I will be ready all the time. That's the purpose. That's the reason for the watch. So that we are obedient, that we take heed of the things that are written within this place in Scripture, within all of Scripture, that we become the men and women that God's called us to become. And so Jesus says, be watchful, be ready, because my coming will be sudden. Listen, as you study this book with me, as we study it together, we will discover that this book is not a study to know when Jesus Christ is coming. Honest, that's not it. And most people think it is. It's not it. It's not when he's coming. This book is a study to see two things. His glory and our obedience. His glory and our obedience because the time is near. It could be now. We're in good shape. We're in church. He'll be happy with us, I hope. Suddenly he will come. Without warning, he will come. Listen, that is a smart tool. I mean, you know, you, didn't you always tell your kids, you, you be careful, you'll never know where I'm at. I'll, I'll be watching you. Yeah, same thing. He's just saying the same thing that we say to our kids. Be careful what you're doing. I'm watching you. Be obedient. Take heed of the things that are written within this book. You see, the book of Revelation is an unveiling of the person and work of Jesus Christ so that you and I will see him in all of his glory. And the major reason, one of the major reasons that we studied this morning that this book is written so that you and I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, would be eagerly anticipating his return and we would be ready living an obedient life in and through the church. We must take care of this place. This church that God has given to us is, is a precious, precious jewel that God is asking you and me to care for. Because it is through this place that He will bless you and me. It is through this place that He will 
pour out His blessings upon this community, upon people who come here and hear the Word of God preached and by the grace of an Almighty God will give their hearts to Jesus Christ just like you have, just like I have. Let me leave you with this. You want protection? You want blessings? You want prosperity in your life and marital bliss? I know of a couple that, that were having trouble and, and they met with another couple in our church and, and their marriage is, is the best it's ever been. You see, you won't get that out in the world. The world will tell you, you know, you ought to might leave him. He's a jerk. Or you ought to might leave her. You know, there are, there are other fish out there, you know. That's not what the church will tell you. Church will tell you to make your marriage work. You want protection, blessings, prosperity, marital bliss, obedient children, joy, God's peace, contentment, and on and on and on and on. The world will not give you and me that. No, those blessings are only found within the protection of God's church. I want us to be that place. It can only be that place when all of us want to be a part. So what have we learned today? Quick, quickly, before we go on any further, we've learned that the time that Jesus Christ come will never be known. It's, it's, not, it's not in this book. That the time is near is simply that it is sudden. He's going to come. I believe all the signs appear that it's going to be soon, but who knows? There could be a catastrophe and everything will change. Just like that. God's in control. We're not. But live your life. Live your life. Let's live our lives as if He were coming back soon, suddenly, and that we would be ready Secondly, the uniqueness of this message is that God gave it to His Son, who gave it to an angel, who gave it to John, who ended up giving it to us so that we would function within the church. The church is everything to God. He has set up this time, this age, this age in which we live, the church. This is where the blessings ought to pour out. This is where you are needed your gift is needed to bless people who come here. I love you all more than you'll ever know. I thank you for the privilege of studying this book. I can't tell you how fast this week went by studying this place in Scripture. It's like, it's way too much fun. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Father in heaven, bless us. Bless this church, your church. Bless it, Father. Because you've asked us that we would be a blessing. That this message was given for the churches. Now, Father, we can't control other churches, but we can this one. And so we want, to, we want to be a blessing to you. We want, Father God, to honor your name. And we want to see you in all of your majesty, all of your glory. That we would stand in awe that one day we would live with you forever and ever, Father, that's beyond our comprehension, at least mine. Father, bless us, please. More importantly, let us be a blessing to you today.
Let us take heed the things that are written within the prophecy of this book. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I love you all. I'm, oh, thank you. I'm about five minutes late. Sorry. Better than last night is right. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here.